Welcome to Bookish Memories. Books are special. They can be the written words of your joy or the comforting hug for your sorrows. So put on your reading glasses, make yourself a nice mug of tea, and come join me down my memory lane full of books. Content warning. This episode contains discussion on depression, self-harm, and sexual assault. Hello everyone and welcome back to Bookish Memories. I apologize for any potential construction noises going on in the background. Again, like, I have zero knowledge surrounding interior design or any architectural related constructing knowledge. But, like, I just think it should have ended within a month, is that wrong? Potentially just, like, a room in a building. I don't know, it just just seems like it's been going on forever, and then I just wish they could be done with it as soon as possible. And then, also, for the rain sounds you can hear in the background, just please take it as an ASMR treat. If there's one word that can sum up the winter weather in Taipei, where I live, it's rain. Like, it rains so much during the winter season, you can feel like, sometimes it just feels like mushrooms is growing on me. That's a, like a, like a joke. I constantly tell my friends, it's like, oh, the weather's so wet, I can feel mushrooms growing on me. And then, yeah, it's, it's really hard for clothes to dry in the season, but I have learned to love rain more in the past few months. If it's sunny all the time, you wouldn't appreciate it, wouldn't you? You would just think that it's it's just the way things always are, and then you won't necessarily appreciate how um, wonderful that it might be. And so the other day I went to a clinic, and I have been really anxious for the past few days, and there's something... Uh, I had a I had a wound in my left ear, and so I had to go to a clean clinic and check on my left ear. And then I I was just so scared and so worried about hearing loss. So I I went to the clinic and did um, check up on my ear to see that all of my listening tests came out all right. The clinic was located in like a basement. It had been raining for like days on end when I went to the clinic that afternoon. But when I walked up the stairs and suddenly I saw sunlight beaming through on the road and I was just so happy at that moment. It was it felt like a sign that things were getting a little bit better. And then I took the MRT back home. The MRT is a bit like uh, underground with a tube in London. I went on the MRT when the the carriage was crossing through the airport. I could see a huge rainbow on the horizon. And I was so happy because I just saw sunlight that I hadn't seen in days. And then I saw rainbow. That just made me so genuinely happy. And then it felt like, you know, people always talk about how the light at the end of the tunnel will give you hope. And that was how I felt 
at that moment where I could finally see some light after days of darkness and worry and other muddy feelings I had. And so this tunnel metaphor was particularly meaningful in the book that I'm going to talk about today, which is The Perks of Being a Wallflower, written by Stephen Trubosky. I came to know the novel through the film adaptation, and because Emma Watson starred as a character in it, that's how I came to want to watch the film adaptation and eventually lead me on to reading this novel. I actually have the diary entry on watching the film adaptation of The Perks of Being a Wallflower. This is going to be really embarrassing, but I am still going to read that out to you. We went to see The Perks of Being a Wallflower yesterday. It was such a good movie that I yelled, I must buy the novel this movie! It describes about a boy called Charlie, whose high school life. He makes two good friends, one is Patrick, the other one is Sam. Patrick is a homosexuality, and people always call him nothing. And Sam, she's a good girl. They help Charlie to walk out of the shadow that his aunt gave him. It's really a good movie. The novel is interesting too. I love it. This was written directly after I... This was written directly after we went and see the film. I remember my mom asking me whether I understood the plot or not when we walked out of cinema, and I remember saying no to the question. Basically, the story is about... Because he's really shy and he is starting high school in a really difficult space because he's, his best friend killed himself prior a few months prior to him starting high school. And so... He has good. He's a kind of um, the um, typical good student in my perspective. Like he's got good grades. He is quiet. He doesn't cause any trouble, and is bullied at the time. He has good relations with his family, but there's this particular troubling figure in his life. Both in the film adaptation and the novel, Charlie mentions that his aunt Helen, he feels like she's the person who understood him the most in the world. But she passed away when he was a kid in a car accident. And so that is the center issue of this novel, if I could put it that way. At least surrounding the character of Charlie. This is, um, well, this is a trigger warning for people out there who are listening. This is related to sexual assault. The family, um, not not with Charlie's parents, but Charlie and his older brother and his older sister and his aunt Helen, they were set down to watch TV on Sunday evening. When they were watching TV, his aunt would touch his inner thigh when he was a kid and so for years Charlie doesn't know that he is troubled by this incident that it is 
somehow he feels like the death of his aunt is his fault because he was wishing her to be dead because she was sexually assaulting him. There was this particular scene in the film that just show Charlie sitting on the lap or maybe next to his aunt and then his aunt would put her hand in like the sensitive part of a young boy and then just touch him. And so my mom asked me whether I understood the scene and and my answer was no. And then my mom explained to me the whole thing and then I understood it. But of course prior to that I understood I understood that Charlie was troubled by something and then even if I didn't understand that uh, he was feeling guilt around his aunt's death, the accident itself should be a really traumatic traumatic experience to a young kid. Having your fam- uh, your one of your relatives, especially if they were one of your closest relatives or a person you feel really close attachments to, having died in an accident. And so that was how I saw it before my mom explained it to me. And then I realized there was there was more to it than I realized. That was the um that was a really difficult truth to understand because I think at that moment it was I think I grew up in kind of um protective environment that of course I was exposed to um these incidents like sexual assault, rape or other um drug use or from the news and education in school. But I think that was the first time I felt I ever felt close enough to the incident itself because it was told through a story that I just watched rather than something that is taught at school that is treated as a subject and then so I was really intrigued and I asked my parents if we could go to the bookstore and buy the novel and so we did and I also got the diary entry on finishing the book finally I finished The Purse of Being a Wallflower today. It's really a great novel. I think I told you before what it was about. I feel so good. It's the first time I had patience to finish the whole book in English. Most of the time, I've done the half of the book and I started to get bored with it. Don't you think it's funny? I have I have to say, I'm quite... <laughs> I'm quite mortified by how bad my grammar was back when I was 12, when I was writing in just... I mean, I was just starting out to write in English. There's just so many grammatical mistakes and poor word choice that I just want to slap, kind of want to slap myself. But, but, but this also makes me appreciate how far I've come in terms of language skills. I have mixed feelings about reading my past diary entries in English. It's like, I feel very embarrassed, but on the other hand, I also feel 
another sense of achievement and 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 pride in myself that I've come this far. We have a thing, if directly translated from Mandarin, would be called family communication book. I've asked my friend in I've asked my friend in、uh, England to see if if they've got similar things in English, and he said they just call it a planner. So basically, it's a thing that you take home for your parents to sign, and and so the book each page of the book will feature your assignments of the day, and then some teachers would. Writes like things for the parents to know in them, and so you have to give your one of your parents to sign it, and then the next day your homeroom teacher will also sign it. And most of the time, there is a small section that you have to write your diary in, it, meaning that your diary entry will be viewed by your parents and your homeroom teacher. In the novel, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, Charlie has. A good teacher that understands him and give him extra assignments because the teacher understands how much potential Charlie has in him to become a writer. And I've had very good teachers throughout my education, and I feel extremely lucky around it. I have talked about my elementary English school teacher that gave me the whole, like the complete collection of the Sherlock Holmes novel, and. I also have another teacher that has a huge impact in my life, and that is my middle school homeroom teacher. She goes by the English name Vivian. Through my diary entries, I I often chatted with her about English novel, English books, and then just you know anything to do with English because she taught English as a subject as well. The middle school was also. When I decided I was going to do humanities at high school and then an English degree at uni, and of course the encouragement from Vivian played a huge role in that. And the reason why I started writing English diaries was also because she said I could. And then after reading、uh, the person being Wallflower, that just. Pushed me to another level that I want to be good at English writing because, like, like the the novel is in a completely different style than most novels, I'd say, because it's written through. It's a collection of Charlie's journals or letters to an anonymous friend. So we, as readers, we don't know who Charlie is addressing to, but it's this format allows readers to be feeling like Charlie is. Addressing us, he is speaking to us, and so that prompted me, prompted me to write English diaries more often and improved my English writing skills in some sense. This book served as a kind of turning point in my life, if you can put it that way. Like prior to this, most of my Reads were YA and crime novels like, like Sherlock Holmes, and then other more quote unquote entertaining novels like Harry Potter, the Harry Potter series. But after reading this one, I went on to reading more classics and general fiction. My taste in reading shifted a little after this. 
I'm not saying there's nothing to gain from novels like Sherlock Holmes and Harry Potter. After all, these books, A Study in Scarlet, Harry Potter and Philosopher's Stone, The Person Being Wallflower, and many other books I will be talking about for the following few weeks. One thing they all have in common that makes me love them so much is that it's also the same reason why I keep coming back to them. I find new points to ponder upon every time I reread them. For Sherlock Holmes and Harry Potter, I read them mostly just for the fun of it. When like like when I want to get out of my reading slump, I can find new ways of enjoying the novel at different stages of my life. Like when I was younger, I could I saw Sherlock Holmes as a, some kind of a Superman that could, you know. Solve crimes and have brilliant mind, and when I'm now older, looking at Sherlock Holmes, I see more of humane aspects of his character. How he, in fact, has some caring for Doctor Watson, and for Harry Potter, when I was reading it, I saw the magical elements of it. I escape into that magical world. Now I still do, but I also kind of makes me appreciate the friendships. That I have in my life, but for books like *The Perks of Being a Wallflower*, they make me more conscious about being reflective, to see the world through a more observant eye, as well as into myself, because it's sort of said to be reflective and will push you. Into thinking when you're reading it, like even if you don't want to, you'll just automatically be be switched into that mode. Unlike when you're reading sh- uh, entertaining novels, that you'll just be, you know, you could sit back and then see everything play out in like a really fun way. I am going to share like two to three pages from from the last entry of the book because I just this last entry is, is what. Resonate with me the most, and I feel like it's the one of the most important parts of this novel. This entry is written after Charlie has realized the truth about his aunt, and that he has to be he has to stay at hospital for some time. And this is written after that period. The time it started to feel like everything was going to be all right. Was the time when my sister and brother stayed after my parents had left. This was some time in July. They asked me a lot of questions about Aunt Helen because I guess nothing had ever happened to them. And my brother looked really sad, and my sister looked really mad. It was at that time that things started to get clearer because there was nobody to hate anymore after that. What I meant is that I looked at my brother and sister, and I thought that maybe some day there would be an aunt and uncle. Just like I would be an uncle, just like my mother and Aunt Helen were sisters, and we could all sit around and wonder and feel bad about each other and blame a lot of people for what they, for what they did or didn't do or what they didn't know. I don't know. I guess there could always be someone to blame. Maybe if my grandfather didn't hit her, my mom wouldn't be so quiet, and maybe she wouldn't have married my dad because he doesn't hit, and maybe I would never have been born. But I'm very glad to have been born, 
so I don't know what to say about it all, especially since my mom seems happy with her life, and I don't know what else there's to want. It's like if I blame my aunt Helen, I would have to blame her dad for hitting her, and the friend of the family that fooled around with her when she was little, and the person that fooled around with him, and for God for not stopping all this, and things are much worse. And I did do that for a while, but then I just couldn't anymore, because it wasn't going anywhere, because it wasn't a point. I'm not the way I am because of what I dreamt and remember about my aunt Helen. That's what I figured out when things got quiet. And I think that's very important to know. It makes things feel clear and together. Don't get me wrong. I know what happened was important, and I needed to remember it. But it's like when my doctor told me the story of these two brothers, whose dad was a bad alcoholic. One brother grew up to be a successful carpenter who never drank. The other brother ended up being a drinker as bad as his dad was. When I asked the first brother why he didn't drink, he said that after he saw what it did to his father, he could never bring himself to even try it. When I asked the other brother, he said that he guessed he learned how to drink on his father's knee. So I guess we are who we are for a lot of reasons, and maybe we'll never know most of them. But even if we don't have the power to choose where we come from, we can still choose where we go from there. We can still do things, and we can try to feel okay about them. I think that if I ever have kids and they are upset, I won't tell them that people are starving in China or anything like that because it wouldn't change the fact that they were upset. And even if somebody else had it much worse, that doesn't really change the fact that you have what you have, good and bad. Just like what my sister said when I had been in the hospital for a while, she said that she was really worried about going to college, and considering what I was going through. She felt really dumb about it, but I don't know why she would feel dumb. I'd be worried too, and really, I don't think I have it any better or worse than she does. I don't know. It's just different. Maybe it's good to put things in perspective, but sometimes I think that the only perspective is to really be there, like Sam said, because it's okay to feel things, and be who you are about them. When I got released yesterday, my mom drove me home. It was in the afternoon, and she asked me if I was hungry, and I said yes. Then she asked me what I wanted, and I told her I wanted to go to McDonald's like we did when I was little and got sick and stayed home from school. So we went there, and it was so nice to be with my mom and eat French fries, and later that night to be with my family at dinner time and have things just be like they always were. That was the amazing part. Things just keep going. We didn't talk about anything heavy or light. We were just there together, and that was enough. So today my father went to work, and my mother took my sister and me out to take care of last-minute things for my sister, since she's leaving for college in a few days. When we got back, I called Patrick House because he said that Sam should be home by then. Sam answered the phone. And it was so nice to hear her voice. Later, they came by in Sam's pickup truck, and we went to the big boy just like we always did. Sam told us about her life at school, which sounded very exciting, and I told her about my life in the hospital, which didn't. And Patrick made jokes to keep everyone honest. After we left, we got in Sam's pickup truck, and just like Sam promised, we drove to the tunnel. 
About half a mile from the tunnel, Sam stopped the car, and I climbed in back. Patrick played the radio really loud so I could hear it, and as we were approaching the tunnel, I listened to the music and thought about all the things that people have said to me over the past year. I thought about Bill telling me I was special, and my sister saying she loved me, and my mum too, and even my dad and brother when I was in the hospital. I thought about Patrick calling me his friend. I thought about Sam telling me to do things to really be there, and I just thought how great it was to have friends and a family. As we went into the tunnel, I didn't hold up my arms like I was flying. I just let the wind rush over my face, and I started crying and smiling at the same time, because I couldn't help feeling just how much I loved my aunt Helen, because I couldn't help feeling just how much I loved my aunt Helen for buying me two presents. And how much I wanted the present I bought my mom for my birthday to be really special, and how much I wanted my sister and my brother and Sam and Patrick and everyone else to be happy. But mostly, I was crying because I was suddenly very aware of the fact that it was me standing up in that tunnel, with the wind over my face, not caring if I saw downtown, not even thinking about it, because I was standing in a tunnel. And I was really there, and that was enough to make me feel infinite. Tomorrow I start my sophomore year of high school, and believe it or not, I'm not really that afraid of going. I'm not sure if I will have the time to write any more letters because I might be too busy trying to participate. So if this does end up being my last letter, please believe that things are good with me, and even when they're not, they will be soon enough. And I will believe the same about you. Love always, Charlie. I feel like we can take a deep breath, and then just sit for a while and think about the passage that I just read out. I feel like the last entry delivers the key theme to the whole novel. Being present is such a simple concept, yet extremely hard to carry out as you get older. I think kids or children are the people who understand being present the most. They don't really have the concept of their past or their future. They are just really present in that moment where they're angry. They're sad. They're upset. They're happy. They just want to play. But when you get older, you have all these past emotions or all these past events that you carry with you, and you look into the future not necessarily with a bright or or exciting eye, but with a kind of even if you do, there's always this worry or anxious feeling in the backdrop. That you don't know what's gonna happen or where you're going to go from here. Being present becomes such a difficult thing to do, because we have so much going on in our life, and then we are not necessarily able to be enjoying each moment, to be present whenever we are doing something. It's not the devotion or the effort you put into doing, but I think the key. Elements in being present is to let yourself feel everything and not judge 
and make critique on that moment because when you do, you are pulling yourself away from the present moment. This is just something I've realized recently, and I could talk. About these things very easily here on the podcast, but in real life, I still find that very difficult to do because, by nature, I have a very obsessive mind and I'm I'm very anxious as a person, and so that often keeps me away from being present. I could be talking to my friend, but at the same time, I could worry about you know the being bothered by construction noises the next day, and I also feel like being present it's. It's a feeling really hard to convey through words because the value of it lies in the fact that the state has no words to describe them. It's almost ineffable because you're letting yourself feel everything at the same time, and that is when the feeling of being alive is at its strongest. That is why Charlie cries when he realizes it is. Him standing on that picket truck, feeling the wind gushing by. I feel like, through the words, both through the words and the film adaptation, that feeling can be arousing you, and I feel like that is such a wonderful experience. I just want to hold on to that, and when you hold on to that. That I think it will give a different outlook on your life. Like you're not necessarily thinking about your past or your future, but you're just there at the moment, doing whatever you're doing. And I think that makes the process more enjoyable, whether you're working or you're enjoying your free time. And on what Charlie said about if he ever had a kid, he will not tell. Them that people are starving in China whenever they feel upset. That is very very important to me because I know that I come from a very privileged position. That I don't have a lot of economic concern. That I could enjoy what I do without worrying if there will be a next meal for me. And I used to feel really bad and guilty about the way I am. I have very good relations with my parents, but there's this one time my dad jokingly said, "If we were poorer, do you think you would be different?" And that just that just sort of stayed with me in a bad way. Like Charlie said, a lot of people have had it a lot worse, and why can't I be okay with it? My basic physical needs are all met, and. At the same time, there are all these kids in Africa that have to travel like a few kilometers of day just to get fresh water, and there are also a lot of people suffering from warfare and become refu- and are refugees and have to flee the country. And I'm not. I'm going to university every day, yet I have so much anxiety and I have like difficult mental health days, and I I used to feel. Very guilty about it, and this novel kinds of give me a new perspective into changing the way I think about who I am. It's incomparable. Charlie's sister going to college is 
the worry in her life, and Charlie's mental health condition is the worry in his life. Everybody has it differently, and that is not something that could be put to be compared together. And so I want to end this episode on this note. We see so many difficult things on the news, and we hear about so many difficult things through, you know, we just be chatting with friends, and then our friends could be suffering from something that you think you're lucky to not have it. But that doesn't make your what you're going through unimportant or trivial. I I feel like I'm repeating myself, but everyone really does have it differently. I want to remind myself of this, and I hope if you're suffering from something similar, I hope that this can become a new light for you. Thank you for tuning in today's episode. If you want to know more about the book that I talked about, follow me on Instagram at bookish.memories. All letters are lowercases. Now put on your reading glasses, maybe make yourself a nice mug of tea, and enjoy your next good read.